0: is back to make the juice in this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the pro wrestling edition as we invade your personal space with another field scratching dose of that performance enhancing audio the Brian Campbell yes in fact the voice that you hear reminding you exactly who is in charge of this show I run this show around here not you jack yes and we are back again with another loaded episode looking at all the highs and lows in wwe over the past seven days from the fallout of the rumored new wwe tv rights deals to the latest on the build to money in the bank in june hey we'll even answer your dms about the revolution and much much more look we've got you covered and are prepared to both educate and entertain you the manliest way possible. Be a man, Hogan. Be a man. What's up with that? what, what is up with that? That's what I'm talking about. And before I welcome in the to chop things up with me, let me remind you one more time that if you haven't let your voice be heard about this show, do us that solid. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume fine audio, and we are talking about that five star review, not a one star, folks. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, sucker. It is much, much appreciated. But now with the games, with the business behind me, it's time to welcome in my co-host. Say hello to the bad guy. Oh, wow. There's a bet to be made. This man has probably hedged it. He's the silver king. Adam Silverstein.
1: Hey, now, that's a
0: hot fire introduction. You know, taken, take, I like that. taken once again from the archives on TNA, where there's just this treasure trove of old wrestlers uh, contributing sound out into the ethos, you know?
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. And look, I think uh, our I, I didn't, you know, t- to to save your face, BC, I didn't bring with me the tweets that we got. Over the week, proving that Silver King does not hedge his bets. I
0: saw that a, a conversation broke out to to make to make good on the Silver King's name to stand up for his reputation. Now, was that the same listener who tried to defame me in the first place? No, that was Brian Jimmy Yang Yang Wang who uh, Brian Yang who who jumped in and, and really you know took some shots at you and I backed him without doing the research. But we, other got, followers... we got episode
1: we got episode dates, timestamps, and quotes from the Silver King. That prove that what I said that I said about all in is exactly what I said about all in.
0: So what he Let's said it- is what he said. There was a little bit of a hedge in there, silver hedge style, but you know, we don't really have to get into that.
1: I was defamed last week. I'm not asking for an apology. I just want it to be known. I, it was it was lying. I didn't Brian, you know, it wasn't a Brian Clangelo style. You no know, like way. We were just down on the news. But but let me just say, I was defamed. I don't accept it. And we have loyal listeners to the Silver King that had my back. Thank you. Wow. I had y'all all
0: fool y'all a bunch of puppets. Wow. Wow. All right. Uh, Silver King, do you, though, one week later, seven days to think about your life, your reputation, the, the name <laughs> you've made for yourself, want to pull back and take back the comments that, you know, necrophilia, not too bad in hindsight. That it's not that you mean that I said that. Yeah, that you said, you know, hey, Kenny, Vic, not right the now, worst thing I've right ever now, seen.
1: See, we have an audio drop for ITC history. With you saying, necrophilia, not too bad in hindsight. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, in retrospect, I think WWE, and we'll talk about it later in the show, they kind of saved it a little bit, 10% this week. Maybe it wasn't the worst angle of all time in WWE history when you consider Katie Vick, but I'm not backing away from it being... In the same conversation.
0: That's not the like, argument, though, Silver King. The argument is you standing up for Katie Vick and being like, hey, guys, everything back then was out of control and, and, and repugnant. Well, if, you to, if you want me to maintain that
1: standpoint, I, I have no problem doing it. What? It was terrible. It was distasteful. But um, it wasn't so out of character from WWE streaming The Undertaker up on a cross or you know burning Shane McMahon alive. Or was it Kane? I don't remember. Um, or any of the other things that WWE did that were even beyond TV14, what would be considered
0: these days. So I'll stand behind that, sure. Wow, wow, wow! All right, we'll just we'll just let that linger. Hey, every I'm sure all of our listeners did get, did get a chance to check out the Moro Ronaldo doc on Showtime, Bipolar Rock and Roller. I caught it two more times, you know, after seeing it at the Red Carpet Review in Manhattan. Great film, and now that we've seen it, I did want to get into really quick, Adam. I knew about Moro's past as a 16-year-old pro wrestling announcer, and that he became a heel manager. I'd seen a couple clips in the past on some feature that a network had ran on him. I didn't know the full degree of just how good he was, though. Like in the movie, while being a, a a real statement for mental health and battling stigmas, it also shows his unique career. Did you catch some of those same feels that, like, hey Moro, like things have worked out for you, but that may have been the road you were destined to take?
1: He wasn't good in that role for Canadian indie wrestling. He was good in that role for professional wrestling. Like for the limited clips we saw, and obviously they showed the best ones. They didn't show probably some ones that maybe fell flat. But Mauro Ronaldo as a heel manager with that kind of
0: energy and personality, it's Paul Heyman level. It is. That's the that's the that's the right call right there. It gives you those same type of feels. And I you know you fully respect that he said that that wasn't a healthy, at that time in his life, that wasn't a healthy role for him to be in. He was spewing all the anger he was feeling in life into that microphone, but, man, he was damn good, and you wonder, you know, uh, you wonder what could have been in that role, and then my, my first instinct was, hey, is there any future for him in that? And I'm like, no, 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 you know, he's so great at his craft, he, he's, you know, arguably the best at what he does, let's not push that, but you do wonder if they could ever run him in some sort of angle. He does have the chops. The guy's got that natural theater, whether you like him or not, and not, not he's not everybody's cup of tea, but I'm sure they respect him. But he's got those chops; they're in there.
1: The problem is, if if he did continue in that role, maybe he never leaves it, and you don't have the guy that we have today calling Mayweather-Pacquiao, Mayweather-McGregor. Did he call Mayweather-Pacquiao?
0: He called the international feed. Yes. So in,
1: okay, uh, Mayweather-McGregor and and major you know heavyweight boxing championship fights um, on Showtime. Maybe we don't have that today, if that's the case. But it would be cool for NXT. One day to figure out a way to get him involved in an angle and, and be able to show those chops. Um, what really struck me from that doc, and, and we discussed it last week, and I, we don't have to go too long, but you know, I was touched the whole time. I was informed and entertained and certainly hit the feel spot in more ways than one. But at the end, when you saw him be able to call WWE and NXT and return and, and get the hug from Triple H and the way Triple H refers to him and treats him, that really hit the feel spot at the end of the doc. That crescendoed as the last scene, and and it really touched me there.
0: Yeah, so here's, we were in the crowd, you and I, for that NXT TakeOver card, which is really the, the, you know, like you said, the the final point of the movie. I don't remember live hearing the Mamma Mia chant. I I just don't but yet oh, yeah. it's perfect in the film. Like it's goosebumps inducing. You're like, Oh my God, this is the perfect full circle mountaintop moment. WrestleMania weekend. They're chanting his chant when obviously those in the crowd can't hear his sound, you know, his call. They just react to that moment. Great moment of respect. I don't even remember hearing that there. Maybe that match was just so chaotic that it was just sort of taking over our lives. Well,
1: you had your computer. You were, we both were working during it, but you were de you know, head down in the computer doing the best you could to do both at the same time. But I was with Robbie Snyder, you know, one of our social media guys here and producers. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. While they were doing that chant, that was a big standout moment of that pay-per-view for me.
0: Hey, shout out to Very well done. Hey, uh, Adam, I guess it's just time we should get into uh, looking back at the week that was with the main event. uh, I'm not really that excited about the week that was. Some highs, some lows, some good, bad, and a lot of ugly. We will get to that starting right now. I'm with you, BC. I was not
1: excited at all about this week. In fact, I remarked to you, I make suggestions every week on what we can do on on our show, and and Brian obviously comes, you know, puts it all together at the end. I didn't have anything until, what, 10.58 p.m. last night, Tuesday night, when I saw the end of the Cedric Alexander-Buddy Murphy match on
0: 205 Live. BC, holy cow. Wow, you you know that sound that was emanating deep inside of me as that match was playing out. Ah! Wow! Wow! This was the full potential of what the Cruiserweight division could be, of what this indie style in WWE's banner could be right in front of your eyes. This was pay-per-view quality. It's worthy for anybody who missed it to go back. And it's two wrestlers that we both really like and really love to see have this. And I think it's just the start of a feud that, you know, could could last us a few months here and could give us some all time great moments. Do you know when the cruiserweight division was last really good, when Neville was on top? I kept telling you and anybody that would listen, I said, you know, what Neville's doing with Austin Aries, great feud. But the feud, the feud that's going to define their careers in 205 and maybe define that division is when Cedric Alexander gets to this level and faces Neville. We never got that like we should have, but holy crap can Buddy Murphy fill that Neville role the king of the cruiserweights, and maybe fill it, cup runneth over. Adam, I don't want to be that person who comes out here and is like... We're not the kind of guys to say, we told you so, but we... This guy is a stud, a stud that goes beyond 205 Live, a stud that they worked me in the booking that when Cedric Alexander hit that finisher with the double knee, the lumbar check, I'm waiting for Buddy Murphy to kick out because they built him up to be so like, this guy's ready for everything. I bought in. This match was awesome. And even though Buddy Murphy lost, I don't know about you, I'm going to ask you, I came out of there going, Yes. What else do you need to see? This is the guy. Put it on his back. Put everything on his back. Main roster to the top. Let's get a feud with AJ and Buddy Murphy right now. Let's go. Come on. Take me off the sledge.
1: Oh. No, no, I'm not. Uh, I want to talk about the match. I want to talk about Cedric Alexander. But the note I wrote down on you know, my suggestions for this week, is Buddy Murphy a real main roster, main eventer? And the answer is yes. He has everything. You saw the promo package before. I don't care if it was scripted or not. He can cut a promo. He's amazing in the ring, not just expression-wise and and move-wise, move set, skill set. He sells like a mofo, okay? The athleticism is off the charts, off the charts. He does. I'm stumbling over like all my words today. He does everything that Kenny Omega does, but not at that level yet. But he has the same skill set and package To be that type of guy, he has the body, he has the look, he can speak, and he can do the moves. He's inventive. Every single thing I saw from Buddy Murphy on Tuesday night confirmed what I was kind of already feeling about him previously, which was, oh, this guy could really go somewhere on the main roster. He's a legit mid-carder. He could be an intercontinental. No.
0: He can be a world champion. Yes. Preach it. Preach it, Silver King. I mean, what you're basically saying, he has it. Like, he has the real it, not like feels of it. He, and not just a hot life, he has it.
1: Every part of it. Um, I'm glad he didn't win because that crowd, and I'm going to get off him a little bit and go to the match. That crowd deserved, it was the hometown crowd, and what WWE does a lot of times, they have the face lose in front of their hometown crowd. And this time, the title was on the line. That crowd at 205 Live was the best crowd we've seen at a non-pay-per-view in months. Years, I don't know. they fully bought into that main event. They didn't go home. That's the thing. They didn't go home. They stayed for it. They stayed for it. they fully bought into they were on the edge of their seats, and they paid off the effort in the ring with the chance and cheering and reaction at the end that every good match, every good Seth Rollins match deserves and doesn't always get because fans are they have a feeling how it's going to end. they're sitting on their hands. They were fully bought in, and the wrestlers and the the producers for that match. And agents, I guess, whatever you want to call them, deserve full credit for how that was booked and handled.
0: By the way, you're a Survivor fan, correct? CBS Survivor, the best ongoing show?
1: No, I'm a Big Brother fan.
0: Okay, okay, I'll take that. Did you see who the camera panned to right after the pinfall when the crowd was going nuts and they showed in the front row? No. Johnny Fairplay, reality TV veteran, wearing a Wu-Tang T-shirt. I checked on his Twitter account to confirm. It looked like he got those, like, WWE, like, house seats, like the, hey, whatever biggest name celebrity that's here today, let's put you right here behind the announcement. So, hey, well done there. Everyone's coming at me with tweets, DMs, saying this. I I predict this is your field spot of the week. Yes, it is my field spot of the week. So much show that it's got to lead the show in the main event because it was really that good, and it really starts to churn the discussion uh, like we started off with, can Buddy Murphy be that guy? The real question, Adam, and I give credit to David Shoemaker, who always points this out. Everybody that we love on the indies or NXT, he doesn't know if they're main event worthy until he sees them stand in the ring next to Randy Orton. That's their measuring stick. Randy Orton, the deceivingly tall, full body, you know, WWE sure. superstar that we may love all these guys, but it's still until they're next to him your mind won't let you believe what you see whether they're really a star i haven't checked buddy murphy i haven't done my stats and checked buddy murphy's height but do you do we think buddy murphy could pass the randy orton test could he be in there and not look like a little guy cuz he towers over alexander and his body and we're not trying to be body guys on here but his body is insane insanely ripped do you think he'll he'll match up against those guys on the main level
1: i mean you know i've had a problem since the beginning with them with him even being there just because he's so obviously not 205 pounds. like He's two twenty-five now, right? And even if he did cut down and lose five pounds non-kayfabe, just to make it look more realistic, he can add, you know, ten pounds of body mass to him at a minimum, right? So I think he stands just fine next to Randy Orton. How does Daniel Bryan look
0: to Randy Orton? How does Finn Balor look next to Randy Orton? Right, let's like, check the height. So, but Murphy's five eleven. Daniel okay. Bryan five eight. Fair point. Although Daniel Bryan is definitely. Looks the part of little guy. That's his shtick. That's his gimmick. Same with AJ. They're little men, and it works that way. But the the problem is when you're supposed to be a big guy and then you look small. What's
1: Rollins? What's wrong? Six one.
0: I think Rollins is like a solid six one, maybe even more. Let's see what what they list him at. They list him at six one. Yeah.
1: So, and so if they list him at six one, I mean that's telling you right there he's six foot.
0: That's maybe. fair. Randy's listed at six five, which he's not. He's probably a solid 6'2", six, six to six three. yeah, yeah, all right. so,
1: so I, think it's, I think it's totally fine. Um, that is I like that. I've never really I'm not a, I was never a big podcast guy before we started this one, so I've never necessarily heard that from Shoemaker, but that's a really smart comparison to say, how would this guy look next to Randy Orton? And to be fair, Ginder looked really good next to Randy Orton, you know, just if we're talking about the most recent. right? yeah um. I think Buddy Murphy has what it takes to do it. The question is, if he lang- I don't I don't want to say languishes because two or five live is better than it's ever been, but he can't spend too long there. He only can stay another six months. True. They have to make that move if they're going to do
0: it. Otherwise, it's oh this guy's been in cruiserweight for three years now he's a main eventer. There comes that problem. There's that in between problem. Unless he's going to become literally a main eventer or an IC title guy right away. There's that dead period that the Tyler Breezes of the world fall into, the Ty Dillingers, once they make the main roster, where it's like after your first feud, you sort of die off. If he's just going to end up there, you'd want him to stay in 205 Live and be a stud who we're constantly saying should be on the main roster, right? We're really at that point now where it's like it's like all or nothing. Either be the darling of NXT in 205 or be on the main event or don't languish in that middle ground. There's- I
1: just cannot imagine Vince McMahon seeing a guy like him who has, A light accent, not a strong accent. So he's more Seamus than even Drew McIntyre, right? A light accent, a really good look, the body Vince likes, an amazing skill set, maybe the best finisher in WWE. I can at least make that argument. And is not saying to to Trips, we got to get this guy. How long, you know, how long until I can have him? Yeah, that's that's shocking to me if, if he's not saying that.
0: And this match was high energy. It was car wreck. It was perfect. And, you know, my favorite move in wrestling is the topi Conhilo. There's guys that just I mean, Finn Balor, just Kenny Omega. They just nail it. Cedric Alexanders is off the charts. He nailed it here. But Buddy Murphy's is like reckless. There's a reckless element to his style. It's not reckless. But some of the moves he doesn't do as tight as other guys. So it makes it look like he's powerfully reckless. And when he hits you know- that tope, he gets the height and then he just crashes down on you i mean th- this match won me over in every possible way and obviously we got to give some love to our guy in the dark i feel at home time has passed and now i grow dream I'd have oh yeah it I don't – as much as I want to see Buddy Murphy as the champion, you know I don't want? I don't want Cedric Alexander's reign to be like a TJP, Brian Kendrick reign, like all these other cruiserweights ones, you know, where it's like, hey, I got the belt for a month, and then I just hand it off to somebody well, else. Well, hey,
1: he just retained. He's, he already had it for two months. He just retained. Let's hope he keeps it into a minimum of extreme rules, maybe until SummerSlam. That That's what he deserves for having really not been in the title picture because of Neville for over a year. He's kind of been stuck. You and I have been saying for a long time Cedric Alexander is the guy – who should be the cruiserweight champion. Um, and he just went ahead and proved it. I'm going to disagree a little bit. Look, there's a lot of guys that do the toe pick on heel really well. And Buddy Murphy's one and Kenny Omega's one. And Finn Balor is too. I think Cedric Alexander's is the best. Because wow. it's like a swan. When he jumps over the rope, he like curves his body. It looks like it's a different move, even though it's the same move. Yeah. It's... It,
0: it's incredible. Shout out to Xavier Woods. He has a very underrated one as well. I'm, I'm not sure if we're missing anybody, but that, that's a move that some people just add that extra flair and they just nail it. I uh, love Cedric Alexander, the way
1: he does that move and just the way he wrestles the selling. Uh, I like the story they told before the match that Cedric Alexander's like, yeah, buddy, you're cutting weight. And you're doing less. I already did this. And they showed footage and there was continuity there. Everything they did in that <laughs> match is what they don't do with the WWE main roster.
0: Everything they did on 205 Live is what we want them to do on Raw. Perfect segue to no, our second no seg- main. Not, not, no segue.
1: I want to know, do you have a grade on this match?
0: That's that's a great question. You know, I'm going to give it four and a half stars. It, it didn't change my life. It was just the exact match I wanted it to be between two guys who I know can really go. And the second I found out that they were going to be in that main event, I had high expectations. It was a new Japan level. It was a solid four and a half star match.
1: See, I don't know what new Japan level means. I got some tweets about it. Like, okay. Yeah, that was good, but it doesn't compare to what new Japan does. Well, you know what? It's WWE. And I'm not saying you should grade them on a scale per se, but expectation versus reality, right? You go into new Japan, you expect, if you see Okada and Tanahashi, you're expecting a five-star match. Anything less, you're disappointed. We went into AJ Styles, Nakamura, expecting a five-star match. They haven't given us anything close because they're telling a different story. But this match for WWE, I'm, not, I'm agreeing with you. It's a solid 4.5 stars. I, I don't, I'm not a guy that thinks you have to have false finishes. I think the finish happened too quickly. I think the
0: beginning of the match was a little slow. Outside of that, it's as close to perfection as you can get. That's, and, they, and they gave them a, time. That. They gave them, a, I mean, when they announced, like, coming up next, the main event, I looked at them, I'm like, there's a half hour left. This is yeah. great. Like, they gave them the full time to to find out what they can do. They, and that's what's good about 205 Live. You hope we're going to see more of it. And we hope this is just the beginning of a great feud between them. So while that may have been the high point this week from, you know, unless you're going to count last week's NXT, which we will get to coming up, the low point was Raw, straight up. And in our second main event this week, Adam, Raw is bore, not war, as SmackDown proves for me. Once again, it's still the A show. It wasn't dynamic. It's pretty damn good, though. But the main story on this equation is Raw sucks. And it sucks <laughs> the week again. It sucks again. And it sucks right after we find out the rumors going through that there's these giant TV deals and they're all over the media. And it was, you know, the first half hour of our show, rightfully so, last week. And I know the deals don't kick into 2019, so we have a long way to go. And it's late 2019. It's not even January 2019. But if you're WWE and Vince McMahon, you kinda want to capitalize on that buzz. Because Adam Silverstein, if you are a Fox. Or an NBC Universal exec who's fired up about this deal, and you turned into Monday Night Raw this week going, "Hey, we're going to see something to get us excited." What, what is your What are your reaction if you're a Fox uh, executive and you watch Raw this week? So
1: here's the thing I think you're forgetting. Fox and NBC executives, most likely, or at least most of them, are not hardcore wrestling fans like you and I are. They don't look at Raw from the standpoint of, oh, the storyline doesn't make sense, because if they tune in at all, they're just seeing what it's doing now and how the production value is and how they're presenting the show. They're not looking at it from a storyline creative standpoint saying, oh, this didn't make sense because this happened last week and so on and so forth. Vince McMahon doesn't get notes from the network like sitcom writers. Okay? So, and, he, and even if he does, he's not listening to them because that's Vince McMahon. So I think you're overstating a little bit the impact that it had coming off of it. That said, coming off of it for your fans this, everyone's tuned in. They want to see, are they going to mention the deals? Are they going to announce them? How is Raw going to look? And they didn't do anything. They didn't deliver. Now, I told you three or four weeks ago when you called SmackDown the A-show. I said, it's not the A-show because we have to see it over a sustained period of time to know that it's truly being written better, uh, performed better, the storylines make sense, etc. So now we're four weeks in, BC, and SmackDown, Is the A show. Yes. Had the foresight. You were there before me, but I stand by my wait and see approach in calling something that.
0: Wait and hedge. Wait and hedge. Is this what we're going on here?
1: There's no hedge. Uh, But to me, there's no question.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about something that there is a question of that is related to this TV deal. And that's the ITC bet that I thought was a push. And I explained it last week, but we pushed it out to the fans to decide Adam, do you want to read the results of this Twitter poll on who wins the belt, if anyone?
1: We will. I will do that right now. I'm going to – I have two things to say. I'm going to say the first one. I'll pause, allow you to do your thing, and then I'll finish up. So the first part I'm going to say is we put this on Twitter. Uh, BC and I discussed whether we should have two options or three options, the third being that it was a push, that we were both right or both wrong, however you want to look at that. Um, We ultimately decided not to do that and just to have two options. The votes on the poll alone for three quarters of the time the poll was open were 50-50 or swinging one or two percentage points back and forth between BC and I. The poll ultimately winded up 53% for BC, 47% for me. Once I added in the additional votes like the tweet replies, 52 BC, 48 Silver
0: King. Did you contact Brian Colangelo to help put that over the top at all?
1: (laughs) I wish I did. Had I had the foresight to go ahead and make 60 burner accounts, maybe. Or the foreskin, I yes.
0: Yes. Oh, wow. That was disgusting. Uh, so here's the thing, though. Uh, I win the bet, but I really don't win the bell. It was a close rating. As Nick Costos himself said on social media, it's a push. It was a push. But that didn't stop some Silver King haters out there from, you know. Did you see the tweet from Thanos Backlin, our buddy at TalkBox, who says, Hi, Silverstein Adam. Time to dust off the podcast equipment, book the tickets to the ITC Worldwide Headquarters, contact Toriano to book him as a special guest for the hashtag In This Revolution episode with BC and your old pal Thanos Backlind. Uh So if I win, I guess this means an in, in This Revolution episode could be coming, but, you know, I mean, even I got to be honest well, let's, and say let's let's, is... let's
1: let's be honest and, and tell them what happened behind the scenes. This is what I... Uh, was talking about, if you have the Wade Barrett sound effect, uh, go ahead and play it, because I'm afraid. have got some bad news. So going into it, BC and I decided not to have the third option in the poll, but we both agreed, hey, if someone's going to win, let's make sure the winner gets around 60% of the votes. Neither of us obviously came anywhere close to that. I will say it was entertaining to see all of the replies we got, and thank you all for voting. I think over 170 votes, fantastic. I didn't necessarily expect that. We got multiple replies, including Nick saying, "Guys, you're being ridiculous. It's obviously a push." We had someone who works for a Vegas casino in some aspect. I don't know if it's a bookmaker or whatever. Reply and say, "Guys, I do this for a living. It was a push." We had three. <laughs> of you, we had three of you all reply with the same idea. Why don't we have a Silver King hosted Revolution podcast? To which my reply is, "I don't think anyone wants that." So, you look, BC, uh, you won fair and square. I don't think we're doing a special episode as a result of the bet, but maybe we will in the future, or maybe we have another bet where we get to it. Ultimately, though, I want to make it known that forty eight percent of respondents were on the side of this guy. Wow and that should not that fact should not be lost on
0: you. Maybe we should just bring Thanos Backlund on here. Good old Bob Backlund talk Talkbox himself and just have him duel with the Silver King for that for that second chair.
1: He's trying to put himself over more than d MIDI. That's to. a Mitty like move from Backlund. I will give him that. And that does not sit well with me. I'm wow. putting it right wow. out there.
0: All right. So as part of this Raw is Bore main event, I want to jo- – oh, one more thing on that deal. The Hollywood Reporter came out with a story this morning that did give some more details and sort of said, hey, part of this Fox deal is to have a weekly studio show, which was sort of part of the argument of saying – WWE going to Fox in any form was, is potentially really good for the product, not just for the Raw SmackDown sort of competition that we could see, but to treat it like a real sport, to have shoulder content, preview shows, post shows, to have a weekly show similar to what UFC on Fox is doing right now with their UFC Tonight show every week. It seems, Adam, that we're going to get a version of that on FS1 under the Fox banner. Here's my question to you, though. I'm going to give you two options. Which option do you think Fox takes? For this show to really work, it would be great if they had insiders on there that were prepared to criticize the product. Probably not likely. <laughs> yeah, probably. Good. Probably not likely. The only other way to do it and make it a non-K-Fabe show that's interesting is probably the Jonathan Coachman Sports Center way of doing it, which is have guys on, talk to them in real life, not in their character, talking meaning WWE superstars. And then sort of break some fake news on there once in a while. You know, We this just, just into the Fox WWE show we find out next week in the main event. Is that the – and if and if that's the way, is, is it going to work? Will you care? Will fans care?
1: Well, first of all, no one should be surprised if Coach is the one hosting that show. Okay? Because I would be flabbergasted if it's not him. Really. I mean, it should be Renee Young. We all know this. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Coach. Um, I think that's the only way to do it. You can't have – even though I said it last week, I thought about it, you know, You can't really have a bring-it-to-the-table-esque show. You can't have a something-to-wrestle-with podcast. Certainly not them because of the way they talk, but uh, even a show like this version on Fox, you can't do that. They have to have a formatted standard weekly show with an interview, a a recap of the week, a look ahead to the
0: following week, and and some fake breaking news. So this is going to be a WWE show, and let's be honest here, okay? The UFC deal on Fox the last seven years— UFC controls those broadcasts. Anytime there was anything on those broadcasts that was co- a little controversial to UFC, like some news that Ariel Hawani would break, he got removed from the show by Dana White. So, like, this is going to be—and I think that's, by the way, part of the allure in going to Fox is sort of this freedom. Come in, control the broadcast, have your platform, you know? It's not like, hey, we're going to play an NFL game on ESPN and then go to SportsCenter and have somebody criticize the NFL. That's a little different. That's what we would want. That's what would be—I That I mean, really— If you're going to cover this the right way, and look, I know when you're in bed together, you can't have this happen, but how good would it be to have a raw post-game show on FS1 with real experts telling you whether what you just saw was good and made sense or not?
1: Well, not raw, because then you're talking about 11 to midnight, Um, but it would be cool on a Tuesday to recap the week or Wednesday, but you know what? Then that's kind of eating into our audience. I don't necessarily want that competition. You know, that's what we're here for. We're here to tell you what's good and what's bad. So, I mean, I think there's there's benefits to it. Um, I think it could be good. I would hope, actually, that Fox produces it and not WWE, even if WWE has the oversight, because then it would have a different look. You know, it would have a network television look and not the WWE overproduced look, which is just different. On that note, just this is off topic, but I'm just curious because you mentioned it. So Ariel Helwani obviously had the issue with UFC, right? Kind of got pushed out of Fox. ESPN signs the UFC deal and signs Ariel. How is that going to work?
0: Uh, I mean he he you know, he had the credential pulled for one day at UFC 99. UFC 199, I'm sorry, in Los Angeles. I was there and he got it restored. So he's he's a, still a credentialed report. But wasn't he on
1: Fox and then taken so, off Fox? He was.
0: He was removed from the broadcast by Dana White and UFC. He was also removed from the Showtime press coverage press tour coverage of Mayweather McGregor by Dana White's request as well. So yeah, how is it going to work? Well, here's the thing though. Ariel's still a credentialed reporter who goes to UFC events, so that's not going to change. But I do hear what you're saying. UFC, ESPN being the rights holder, it there's potential there where it could get a little dicey. But you know, I'll give ESPN credit for the most part. They do put, you know, they they don't yeah yeah they, they don't kiss the ass completely of the, of the rights holder they hold. No, they put out look, the news. Look, you know?
1: They have they have Shafter, They have Adrian Wojnarowski. They you know Ariel. They had to hire him. Like if, if he's the number one news in MMA. I was just I was thinking about it. I'm like this guy, Dana, really hates him. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can find someone else. You know what I mean? I thought it was a little strange, but sorry, that's off topic. I was just really curious. All
0: right, you know ba- back to Raw. Let's get into yeah. this, okay? Raw was a bore. It wasn't an awful episode, okay? But like, I gotta be honest, a lot of these last few weeks when I have complaints on this show, it's not that it's bad. It's it's just that it's blah. It's just that it's vanilla. It's just that been, it's been going bad. through it's the motions. Bad. And ultimately, the biggest problem with going through the motions is those rosters are way Way too talented for them to go through the motions. And the time that we invest is way too much for them to go through the motions. My biggest problem this week was Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey. And even though Nia Jax actually performed fairly well in this segment, where she beat up a jobber and trash talked to Rousey the whole time, you cannot look past the convoluted, as you would say, the holes in the story Nia Jax was an anti bullying hero three weeks ago at Pay Backlash. She gave a speech after beating Alexa Bliss. WrestleMania was all about her overcoming body shaming. Three weeks later, without a heel turn, she's bullying Ronda Rousey in the ring. And I know people are tweeting, me, that's not real bullying. She was just talking trash. Do you not miss? Are you missing the point here? This is just WWE going, ah, who cares? We'll just switch things on the fly. I can't look past this stuff, Adam. And if this type of. Stuff gets me so angry that I no longer want to watch the product. And then people are like, just enjoy it for what it is. It's pro wrestling. No, I can't because I care. And these are major stumbling blocks, foundational stumbling blocks that need to be addressed the moment that you smelt that they don't care. As a fan, I don't care. So I don't even care that Jax was pretty good in this segment. Rousey, not so much in my opinion. The whole segment sucked because it doesn't make any sense.
1: Uh, just a small point of clarification. She was bullying the Jobert, not necessarily Ronda Rousey. You, don't, you can't
0: really can Well, R- Rousey came in, and, and Jax made fun of her tough look. She goes, I see your tough look, and she made fun of it, and she, and it just – it was – Okay,
1: you're fine. Um, I don't even know where to start. So you're 100% right, obviously. Forget that for a second, even though that's so important, I'm going to get back to it. Asuka tapped out Nia Jax via armbar two months ago or three months ago. So she just got tapped out, and all <laughs> Rhonda in non-kayfabe would have to do would be like, oh, really, Nia? What about this? And go to the Titantron and have Asuka tapping uh. her ass out. Okay, so talk about convoluted. There's no continuity. It's, that is, this is, this is a a paradigm of everything that's wrong with WWE storytelling. It's not just bad month to month. It's bad week to week, and it's bad minute to minute inside of its own segment why is ronda rousey walking to the ring and not having the i am going to murder you scowl on her face she's being intimidated or, or uh, t- trying to be intimidated she's being uh questioned her her not masculinity that's obviously the wrong word but her uh, her toughness okay A- and by this woman who she doesn't really know she should be in there like scaring Nia out
0: of the ring. So that's or at the least problem. Everything they, they've done to tell you who Ronda Rousey, the pro wrestler, is, is to tell you that she's a badass who takes no crap from anybody and in front of her own employers, put them into an arm lock to show them that I won't be bullied, I won't be messed with. So even though in theory you get that they have to put over how big and tough Jax is to make you believe that Rousey can't beat her, it's a slap in the face to us, Believing in Rousey as a character to have her stand across from Naya and just look scared. And by the way, the ill-time smiles from Rousey are really starting to irritate me. She just smiles at the wrong time, and you're like, Are you tough or are you not tough? Like, what's going on here? I'm wondering, I'm
1: wondering if the style if the smiles, and we'll get to this because we know how they script things. I'm wondering if they're a stage direction or if she's just legitimately so happy to be there. Oh, no, Because she does don't do no, that. No, because she does seem to be. I'm not, it's not an excuse. I'm just I'm curious. If it's a stage direction, that's terrible. Or she's so happy to be there and does not have the acting chops to rein that in. Well, you, okay, failure, the second half is the,
0: the key point there. You say she doesn't have the acting chops. We know that. So here's the thing. Why keep putting her in spots to lose? This is the second straight week where Ronda Rousey, who's the best part about her, is that she's a seemingly, we don't know yet, seeming to be a natural in terms of the body movements and the physicality and the wrestling. Two straight weeks, no physicality from her. Yet we watch her in spots where she's going to fail, and it brings up some Silver King haters on a bonus DM slide here. Silver King, you're going to have to face the music here from Jesse Linares at Jesse Linha, our guy. He says, how long before the Silver King starts hedging on all the over-the-top great things he said about how good Rousey is? Silver King, I didn't prep you for this question. you got to face the music from Linha right now.
1: I'm not hedging at all. I'm not hedging on Ronda Rousey. I believe in her every bit as much as as I did before WrestleMania. You guys, you guys act like I bought into her at WrestleMania. I bought into her week one, BC, when she was before she even appeared, when she signed. I said Ronda Rousey has the potential to be bigger than Brock Lesnar in WWE, and I still believe that just because she didn't go to OVW for six months like Lesnar did and didn't come in and get the title immediately. Although, kind of seems like that's what's about to happen. Uh, <laughs> you know, True. even though that's not her her thing and she doesn't have Paul Heyman by her side, that doesn't necessarily mean that she's a failure. They are screwing her. If you don't see that, if you think that everything that's wrong with Ronda Rousey is Ronda Rousey, then you have misplaced uh, aggression here because she's not fully holding up her end right well, now. Well, here's what
0: but, here's what Linha I, and others are saying. But busy. 90% of the issue is WWE. But Go they're ahead. saying this, though, and you're right, and I said they're not putting in her in spots to succeed. Her, we all know her dialogue should be limited. She should go out there and kick some ass. We know that, okay? But just like I posed this question last week, at what point do we start blaming Roman Reigns in this big debacle? Jesse Linha wants to know: At what point do you start pointing the finger at Ronda and say, "I know the the balls against. I know the you know everything's against you. I know you haven't had time to go on the indies and get better, but you got to be better on the mic."
1: Yeah, uh, she gets crap when the booking is good or when the lines are scripted well. And she doesn't deliver them. When that happens, she gets blamed. But right now, unless the smile is her fault, which it might be, but if that's a stage direction, which, based on something we're going to talk about in a minute, it probably is, knowing how they do everything tooth and nail here. um, I I can't blame her for—we see clips of her on on house shows, right, in Europe. She's awesome. The crowd is all in. She's doing her job in the ring. Everything they're asking her to do physically, she's delivering. When she had to be a badass and turn her face into the I'm going to kill you look, she did it leading into WrestleMania. But they're not having her do that now. They're not allowing her to get physically involved in matches. Why can't she be in a tag team match on Raw? She's not Brock Lesnar. She's allowed to fight on Raw.
0: Here's the, uh, I think the biggest problem we're finding out is this. She's a natural heel. That's the persona she took to great success in UFC, and it covered up the fact that she's actually, even in UFC, was never really good on the microphone. But she's a natural heel who sells things so good with her looks and scowl and anger and the fact that she was uber competitive when it came to MMA. Here's the problem. They're not pushing her as a heel now, and I get it. I get why. It's America's sweetheart, all that. But she's only going to work and to the full potential of who she is when she's got Baszler by her side and when she's a full-on nasty heel. And you know this, Silver King.
1: She's not a natural heel. She's a natural badass. They're trying to book her somewhat like Steve Austin without allowing her to be cool like Steve Austin. That's the problem. They're having her do the Finn Balor smiley I'm happy to be here gimmick as a badass. That doesn't fit. Why can't WWE have cool faces anymore? Every cool character they have is a heel, and that's the problem. Now, if they do a switch and make her a quote-unquote heel and allow her to be a badass, guess what? She's gonna get over as a face. She's over as a face now. People love her because she's good at this. She's meant to do it, but if they're not gonna book her properly, the blame doesn't fall on her, just like it doesn't fall on Roman Reigns for everything. There are some things that now we can blame him for. Limited moveset, some of the, you know, inability to cut a promo unless it's either scripted or not scripted. We don't necessarily know what lines they are or are not writing for him. But I'm not blaming Rousey or changing my tune on her one damn bit until I'm given a legitimate reason to. And right now, I don't have one.
0: Wow. That, you, you, you fought that off pretty well. And what you spurred in me and you said something about cool heel, I'm not sure if you saw the rant that Don Callis went on. I believe it was on Twitter where he basically said, anyone out there in wrestling who's a cool heel, stop being a cool heel because it's ruining it for the babyfaces, it's ruining the business in a way. Uh, In some way, it sounds like old guy on the front porch saying, get off my lawn, but in another way, it keeps the sanctity of classic wrestling. If heels act like despicable heels and babyfaces are allowed to act cool, I do get what he's saying here.
1: If you want to make a heel cool, turn him face and have him be in the middle. I mean, Steve Austin was a face, but he didn't act like a face.
0: Well, I guess the what rock- he's saying is yeah. people like Steve Austin has set a template that has ruined the business. Well, I think what's ruining the business. Well, no,
1: because no, because Steve Austin was a cool face. So if you have a heel acting like Steve Austin, but he's a heel,
0: you That's can't a have a face point. acting yeah. like Steve Austin. No, That's no, you're point. right. You're right. You're right. That's All right. His- Let's get into why WWE sucks right now. Okay. okay. The main reason sure. why WWE sucks right now. Um, so the real reason is success right now. And we've talked about this many times in the past. There's no competition to push them to be better. They are so uh, gluttonous in terms of the money they're bringing in right now. That why would you ever change? We've established that point. Nick said a couple weeks ago. I said it the week before. We've established that point. Success is their worst enemy right now. And the biggest problem with that comes down to scripting. And you found a leak. Was that on Reddit? You you came across yeah. this of a of the script for that tag team barbecue segment on Raw with the B team. And after reading that, Adam. Man, it's not its not things we didn't know, right? We knew this was all scripted, but did we really know everything was scripted? That's the key question here. It's disappointing.
1: That's, no, that's the exact question. Before I get into that, um, awful segment.
0: Awful, right. awful, yeah.
1: T- took something that was working, B team, that la- just last week we said, is it working because Raw is so bad that it looks good, or because it's actually good, we said it's actually good. Well, they ruined it. Not ruined it forever, but... This week, they ruined it. Well, they took
0: something that works. The cheesy food fight thing, it works on Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. It works on those July 4th episodes where there's nothing going on, and and it connects back to the early, mid-'80s feeling of WWF back then where they did stuff like this all the time. I'm fine with that. This was gratuitous. There was no reason. It made no sense in the storyline. Everything about this sucked. Everything. Well, no, that's the thing. I mean, well, first of all,
1: it was Memorial Day, so let's not act like it wasn't around a holiday. Vince McMahon loves these segments, okay? He always will, as long as he's in WWE, and there's a holiday, you're gonna get this once or twice a year at a minimum. That's just how it's gonna be. It might be backstage, it might be in the ring, you're gonna get it, okay? um That was not the problem. The problem was it didn't make sense in storyline, and why they would have to convince other tag teams to allow them to jump them for a number one contendership. It, it was just convoluted. That's third time today. It, it's just true. But back to the script. So someone leaked what looks like the script from this segment. I'm not saying it definitely is because I can't confirm it, but it had all the information on there that you would expect to be on there, plus way more. And it was written in a way that, to me, was reminiscent of the five WWE, sorry, four WWE and one WCW script that I have in my possession in my house right now from the Attitude Era, okay? And I went back and looked at those after I saw this one, BC. Those scripts, it's a general outline. It's, this is what happens in the segment. Here's the key line that we need to have. One sentence or a catchphrase or something that cues the music. You guys do it. You know, I'm sure they script, I'm sure even back then, they would script lines as they were going through the process. This one that I found or that someone else posted on Reddit that I got my eyes on, it scripted every line and every action from the
0: entire like segment. who to look at, what face to make. Like, it, this is bad. This is really bad. Because like, it, there's the idea that you could have bad writing, but great superstars to save it. New Day, in that prime run they had in 2016, they saved some really bad segments. Yep. But this is, you don't give anybody a chance to succeed here.
1: Not only that, and not only was the writing poor and the concept poor, there was a second page to the script that had basically bullet points that all talent and producers and everyone should know about for any given segment on the show. And there's, it's really long. I'm not going to read them all. I'm going to read, f- uh, let's see, what do I have? Six of them, and I'm going to say two that stand out. It says, tell a story, making it entertaining, grab the audience's attention. That's one. Rehearse your segment backstage in the arena before doors open. That's two. Check the latest drafts for the latest changes from Vince, the writer's producers. That's three. Four, execute Vince's notes and direction. If you find anything that doesn't work, communicate to us as soon as possible. Here are the two that really stood out to me. What is the premise? Does the promo make sense? If they're asking themselves that before every single thing they do, there is no way that some of these things still get approved, or if they're either not raising objections, if that's the case. And then the last one. Time the promo. Talent should not ad lib. I wasn't expecting that. Saying to these professionals, especially guys... Now, in this segment, you can make the argument... No one there really deserves to ad-lib, you know, based on experience and everything else. True, but
0: but, but the segment's about the B-team getting over, Bodog, all that. To, to basically remove the the option of them to spice up the segment and make it work, it's just so it's mind-boggling. It's or
1: just for Titus to be backstage and be like, hey guys, okay, when you do this, I'm going to say th- something like this, right? As opposed to the, f- the eight specific words that they wrote for him to say. It is scripted like a sitcom now when it used to be scripted like a reality show and no matter what they do with booking stupid storylines, whatever they have to get away from scripting out every single line for these guys. It does not
0: work. And by the way, the, the giant TV deals doesn't take us closer to the attitude era where people are going to be able to say what they want. It takes us closer to scripting even more because there's so much money at stake. You're on live TV. You're on primetime live TV. You're not on the USA network. You're on Fox on Friday night. So we're not going in a good direction there. Yeah, By the way,
1: it, they they wanted from USA for those two shows, USA uh, not USA Raw and SmackDown. They wanted 360 million a year for ten years. They separated the shows. They got 465 million a year for five years. Yeah, it's, it's insane. I mean, I mean you want to talk about them like feeling themselves right now? They feel themselves.
0: UFC too, man. They 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 came back from an awful year of bad pay per view buys and ratings and turned that deal around in a hurry. Uh, yeah. So j- just that's just to put it back in your face and just be like, look, the product sucks because there are limitations that make it suck. And the idea of scripting everything just ruins everything. And it's just—it's really hard to actually see that. Even though we knew it, when you see it on paper, it's just like, oh, man. And that's the one, one problem I have with the PC and NXT is that even though I trust Hunter, even though I love the stuff that comes out of there, and it is better than main roster a lot of the times, you're still creating a factory where you are making... Pro wrestlers. You're making sports entertainers. You're not making pro wrestlers. And part of what makes even main roster WWE good is sometimes there's these pro wrestlers like AJ Styles that came from other places to bring their style into it. And you're creating a clone factory of people who need to take direction and not people like back in the day who could just go out there and make the magic happen. Uh, we are running long, but I did want to close on the raw point this week is uh, Braun Strowman still doesn't have a feud and it's still not working at him. And how many more times can we see him just Power slam anyone who comes across him. And now, great, he's going to face Bobby Roode next week. It doesn't matter anymore because you have this guy who you're just pressing pause. He's going nowhere. He's so over that he needs to be in the title picture because they're not ready to put him in the title picture. They're just wasting him every week to use him for ratings. And I know this is what they care about. You're right. Fox and NBC executives aren't watching it going, wow, this storyline's really bad. They're watching it going, did we pop the 9 o'clock hour? Did we pop the 10 o'clock hour? And you pop it by putting Braun Strowman out there and power slamming everybody. I get that. But if for <laughs> us week-to-week fans, it's not that hard, guys. Put him into a feud. Because you have made him so unbeatable at this point that the only way... If you're going to keep him a babyface, that's fine. But the only way to make a unbeatable baby face have to work is to have him feud against a a, a faction, have them like sanity. We don't know when and if they're coming, you know, a good way to debut Sanity would have been on raw attacking Bra Braun Strowman. So now he has to feud with the entire faction that in, instead what they're doing right now, which is just sacrificing another body to Braun each week in meaningless situations. How much more are we going to take this? Well, they don't have, look,
1: they don't have a lot of choices because they've backed themselves into a corner. On one hand, they don't want to put the title on him, okay? Unless they're saving that for Lesnar's return, in which case it does make sense that he's wasting time doing things that don't impact other storylines because what else are you going to do if they're going to have him win the title off Lesnar? If it's not going to be that and they won't give him the title, okay. But then, separately, they refuse to let him lose a match. You can't have it both ways. If, if he's going to be a guy akin to the big show, he can dominate a lot of people. But ultimately, he needs to lose and be someone who puts other people over. Finn Balor could have gotten a clean win over him.
0: Or he just needs for- to get hurt. I don't care if he loses. He needs to get hurt backstage from by four guys. So that yeah. that's the only way to soften how dominant he is.
1: Yeah, gonna- like, think about it. When Reigns took him out, the, big, the biggest pop of Braun Strowman's career was not when he hurt Reigns. It was when Reigns took him out and then he showed up the next week. So you, have, you put him in situations, just like you said, where that, or AOP. You have those two guys. They, already ha- they don't need sanity. They have AOP. They come in, take him out, and he gets one-on-one matches, beats them individually, then a handicap, and maybe they beat him. And they get a push, and they move into the tag team picture. They have to do something with him. You're 100% right. The other thing I noticed on Raw that we haven't talked about, and I think a lot of people are overlooking, we had a Roman Reigns-free episode, and you know what? Despite Raw being bad, kind of missed him.
0: uh yeah i i missed him i missed him because i'm raw not having lesnar not having roman reigns this week it lacked star power it lacked that buzz they did use Braun, but i got annoyed by it right they used seth it was it was good but it just it didn't it didn't have it it didn't have it
1: refused for some reason they refused to put seth in the main event they just he has to open the show or be a nine o'clock guy
0: yeah let's rush a seven women match in the final 10 minutes i i mean get you know just,
1: uh, Before we move on from this part of the main event, we do need to talk about the biggest thing that happened on SmackDown. Otherwise, what are we really even doing here? Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, big cast, triple threat match,
0: BC. I thought it was fantastic. Fired up. Fired up. This brought me back in. There. Sometimes I, I don't watch SmackDown Live, and I tend to fast-forward through certain parts of it. Man, I was dialed in, and this match went like three commercial breaks. I mean, this was basically like the last final 20, 25-minute block of the show. This was main event, pay-per-view quality and everything about it worked. Every message they were trying to do. I thought Dan O'Brien was going to go over and win and enter Money in the Bank. And they were going to finish off this underdog story. Instead, they let Joe in. And then, by the way, you start imagining Joe with the with the case. If Joe wins Money in the Bank, that sure as heck works. And even though it would not have been my plan, your plan, or anybody's plan for Big Cass to come back into the storyline and to make his presence known, I defy you to tell me he didn't hit a home run on, on Tuesday. I thought he th- played his position perfectly and even him taking Daniel Bryan out at the end and standing over him even though both lost the match I came out of there going I want to see what happens next at Money in the Bank where when Roman Reigns and, and Jinder Mahal did the same thing on Raw last week I came out of there going are you kidding me you're going to run these guys back at Money in the Bank this is well done and I and I'm not going to over the top praise Big Cass I tell you when he stinks I know a lot of these listeners hate him but when I hear that song nowadays oh,
1: wait. Yeah,
0: I don't expect the worst anymore. This guy's bringing it. Remind me to get you a clean cut of that
1: uh, for our sound drops because that was really strange. Um, He did not hit a home run. He hit a solid double, maybe off the wall, okay? Maybe a ground rule double. He he was fine. He was good. Um, I like that they didn't do what we all thought they were going to do and have him just interfere in the main event, cost Brian Samoa Joe wins. They got him early in the show. They did two segments with the main event. The crutch attack was really weak. They showed Cass a couple times in the ring, barely landing blows on Samoa Joe, where it looked like he was giving low effort. The guy he the played attack with the briefcase
0: ball- was good, though. I'll give him that.
1: I popped he for played, that. He played the role fine, but he's not some star performer. He's not a main eventer. He doesn't have the look. I don't care that he's tall. He doesn't have the body type. He doesn't really have the charisma or the moveset. He, I didn't mind him in the match because it saved the Daniel Bryan Samoa Joe head-to-head match that I want on a pay-per-view. At the same time, I got excited about that match for a week and two minutes into the show, they pulled the rug out from under me and said, hey, we're not going to give you that match. But that's okay
0: because WWE does that. From that so point I'm, of view, you, that doesn't make sense to be upset at it. You're right. When you, when, you put it, when you phrase it that way, it is that was sort of a letdown. But it, It's a letdown, but the match was
1: very good, BC. And my takeaway from the match, takeaways, I have two. Daniel Bryan, as much as we wanted him back, I think we forgot what he is. He's a supernova. He has it all. He's the total package. He really brings it. The moveset's incredible. The storytelling is great. Go- going with the dragon knee. Is it dragon knee? Is that what it's called? Um, you know, re-injuring re- Cass's knee at the end of that dragon match. Dragon screw? Uh, dragon screw. That's what I meant. Uh, doing the same to Samoa Joe. His his Like I said, his entire moveset. The energy he brings and that the crowd... Because of that brings with it he he was missing so much more than I even thought,
0: yeah, yeah, he is filling a place there, I um, mean he's bumping like crazy, by the way, like he's <laughs> he really is and and you know, and I get that idea of just if you're back, you're back, just go for it, and he's back and he's going for it i I love seeing him back in the main event role i I just thought Tuesday worked, the whole episode was good, the main event just popped, it just worked, Smackdown is your A show, I got nothing else to say. Right, and I,
1: well, I have one more thing to say. If Samoa Joe is not a WWE or a universal champion inside of this calendar year, they're wasting him. Well, not,
0: not if he has the case. That's the way to if, – if he's not part of their plans for now, that is the way to keep him special with that case. He will be great with that case. What
1: I mean is he has to have something. Like, he has to have a title, okay? And the U.S. title on SmackDown is BS. We know it. It's, it's the fourth, you know, singles male title. It's way below, way below the IC title. He needs to be in that main event picture all year long, whether it's with the case or with the title for a portion of the time. The thing about him winning, potentially winning, and we'll get to it in a later show, he shouldn't need the briefcase to win the title. He's a dominant guy. He just tapped out Daniel Bryan or, or knocked him out. So that's the question. But I thoroughly enjoyed Samoa Joe. If AJ Joe.
0: loses the belt, Samoa Joe AJ for a non-title would be a great feud.
1: That would be great, yes. That would be great.
0: All right, final part of our main event this week. Man, were we setting a record for the longest main event this week. You had six bullet points over the, under the second That is true. Time. That is true. I had a lot I wanted to get to. But I don't know if you saw what I saw this week, Adam, but I saw the return of Enzo Amore. And I got a lot to say about it. He came back onto social media to end his silence. He put forth that he was going to be in Times Square at a certain time. And to his credit, and this is the last probably good thing I'll say about him, Fans mobbed Times Square to see him, treated him like he was the Beatles. He was holding up kids in the middle of this crowd, and they were going nuts. I don't know if he was going to a record store or whatever, but this coincided with the release of his debut rap single and the accompanying video for the song Phoenix. And this is where I'm going to end the praise, Adam, because (laughs) it's comically bad. It's a comically bad rap song, and, and everything about it is just comical. But if it was just that, it probably wouldn't even have made this show. It was also pretty despicable, and the basis of this song, Phoenix, the title is Phoenix, which has a double meaning: one that the rape he was accused in that was now cleared took place in Phoenix, and two, the theme of the song is that he's rising from the like a phoenix that he's rising from the dead from being you know publicly dead when his name was dragged through the mud. In which he saw, which he's claiming was a fake accusation, and now he's back. But here's my problem: even separate from the comics, comical nature of it, how bad this is, and all that. If anyone out there has not seen this video, I, I encourage you to see it once, just so you know what we're talking about. But it's pretty damn despicable, and he takes outrageous shots at not just this accuser, not just wrestling media, not just wrestling fans. But even WWE in general, there's a middle point of this video where he's at what is supposed to be his own funeral to simulate when he got fired from WWE and his name was dragged through the mud. And somebody walks up to the casket doing the Vince McMahon walk, and then they turn around into the crowd, they give the DX chop. So that shows you that that's simulating Vince and Triple H, and then he clotheslines that person and talks about fake accusations and, you know, guilty innocent guilty until proven innocent and all that. And Adam, my biggest problem comes down to this. I have protected Enzo on this show. Not his reputation in light of what's going on with that rape uh, accusation, but from the standpoint of, hey, we all like musicians, athletes, entertainers, who might be absolute dirt holes in real life, but they really entertain us. And on this show, Enzo entertains me. I play his sound drops like crazy, Adam. But when you go through something in life, and you have a trial, a, I don't mean a court trial, I mean a, an actual trial in your life, whether it's fake accusations, being you know, fired, uh, uh, health illness, whatever, that's when your true character comes forward. That's when you show people who you really are, when your back is against the wall. Enzo just went through a very public trial, and this is his first public response, and it's devoid of character. He's attacking the person who accused He's not coming out and saying, look, guys, you know justice will be served and uh I just want my name cleared and I'm back he's coming out full on attacking everyone who made him plus a pretty despicable attack at his accuser in which the song he's threatening to garnish her wages and sue and all this stuff and it shows you this this guy's devoid of character this is this is this is bad and it's just distasteful and from this point forward, for all the fun I've had all over and over again, even as people have DM'd me and said, stop playing that guy on the show. He's fired from WWE for bad reasons. Stop playing him on the show. I say today, I am retiring Enzo Amore from the In This Corner soundboard. The guy who was arguably the MVP of the soundboard, because this video is absolutely despicable. And this is Enzo going all in and doubling down on his rap talent because by doing this and by calling out WWE oh, no. so hardcore, he is saying that I'm never coming back to WWE because he's not coming out saying, I just want my name to be cleared. I just want to come back to where, you know, where at home is for me. He's pointing the middle finger at everybody, including the fans and media who helped make him. Who's going to be left to buy your raps, your rap, uh, albums, nobody. And to your point, what rap talent?
1: Yeah. Uh, Look, uh, one point of clarification just for legal purposes. There was no trial for Enzo Amore. He was never charged. He was accused, and they didn't bring charges against him because they couldn't prove it, whatever the case might be. Um, You know, the guy, if we're being honest, he had no wrestling talent. Um, He has no rap talent. And while he may be entertaining and be able to talk crap, which... Candidly, in WWE matters, being able to cut a promo. He's smart in in that vein, and he's comical, and he puts together some really good phrases. But for everything that we thought was maybe sour grapes from the WWE roster uh, when he was on Raw with Big Cass, you know, before he got injured and then moved to 205 Live, we thought it might be sour grapes. He's rubbing people the wrong way. They don't get his character, so he has the separate dressing room. You know, whatever. No, like we weren't there day-to-day with him. Okay, we didn't experience the real Enzo Amore, whatever his real name is. I don't really care. Um, This is the real Enzo Amore again, or whatever his name is. I really don't care.
0: Yeah, this is it right here.
1: You saw in that song uh, which you saw in this rally uh, in in Times Square. And by the way, if I haven't I don't live in New York, I don't I don't go to New York often. But if there's a crowd in Times Square of 50 people, it becomes 100, 200 really quick. Okay, you're in Times Square. It's not hard to get people <laughs> around you. I could go out there in a chicken suit and get enough people around me paying attention. Maybe not a chicken suit. I guess there's other people doing that, but you know what I'm saying. Um, so, I, I, look, I've been done. Uh, you were ahead on the SmackDown being the A-show. I was ahead on telling you, get Enzo Amore off the show, no more sound drops, either last week or two weeks ago. I've been done with this guy. He does not need to be mentioned on this show. And candidly, if another wrestling organization decides to give this guy a chance, I would be shocked and probably appalled. That's the I mind-boggling
0: would- part of, of what he did in this video. He ended that. Like, I'm not saying everybody has to come out and say I hold no grudge against my accuser. I just wanted to be put it behind me. I, you know, I'm not like, look, I'm not in his shoes. If he's innocent, by the way, Adam, I, I support him turning his life around and getting his name cleared. Obviously, but there's sure. a way to do that. There's a way to handle that. What he did th- with this beyond the fact that it stunk, was that he gave the middle finger to everybody. You're going to need those people because if you're not on WWE, no one's going to care about your rap career. And if you have tarnished yourself this bad, nobody else can take a chance on you. Impact Wrestling or Ring of Honor, they don't care. Yeah, look, it's not like Don Callis is going to call Vince,
1: but if Enzo Amore wants to join Impact or they're even thinking about it, I wouldn't be surprised if he calls Triple H or Jim Ross or someone and says, hey, you know, someone that he's somewhat friendly with, hey, is this guy really that big of a problem that we shouldn't give him a chance? And you know what they maybe would have said? Look, he's not great in the locker room, but he's entertaining. He might be good for you. That's what they would have said. Now they're going to say, do you see what we had to deal with? You know, That's called burning a bridge that really you can't unburn. Whereas a guy like Rich Swan came out and said, look, whatever happened with my wife, I'm sorry for it, and it was exaggerated, and whatever, and I'm willing to make amends and work my way up again. And whether another company should have hired him, that's for other people to argue at another time. But Enzo could have been in the same spot as him and gotten work at PWG or Impact or Ring of Honor or wherever. Instead, if any of those companies legitimately hire him, people should be upset because this is not a quality character individual. Just like Alberto Del Rio, right? You like were like, hey, we should bring him back into WWE. No, a guy like that should not get an opportunity in WWE again. He had one, he ruined it, he went somewhere else, he ruined that opportunity. You don't gift him with a WWE contract.
0: Yeah, that, there's nothing else to say. This is the end for Enzo Amore, and that's probably the last time that we'll say his name. Okay, no, say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here well, right that's a now. Little rough, Randy. No, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. It is, and that is the end. BC,
1: we have plenty more to get to. Let's go right into Hero or Zero. All right, most of these should be relatively short, but this first one I have a feeling we're going to talk about just a little. Elias on Monday night BC took out Seth Rollins with a guitar shot while he was standing atop the Raw announce table, and then he fell, not to his death, but pretty close to it, off the stage, did a nice flip, uh, teasing a possible intercontinental title feud between the two, probably at Money in the Bank. Hero Zero, not just to this moment and this feud, but the entirety of the segment and storyline involving Jinder Mahal and Kevin Owens. I pop for this.
0: I think this was well done in the end. Uh, and it, Seth Rollins is becoming must-see. He took a gender match and made it really good. Like, I, I was really into that match. You were waiting. Will Elias come back? You know, they set the, the, the stage early with that tease. He did. It was perfect. It's a full-on hero because Elias deserves this if they're going in this direction. It's time to put him in a major title feud to see what he's really made of, not just to come out there to insult people every week. And certainly Seth Rollins need, needs a big-time dance partner to, and let's, let's do this, let's roll it out. Too many people right now are not involved with feuds. They just come out and wrestle other names each week. It will become a zero. If Ginger Mahal is involved at all anymore, and the problem was we had no closure in the Rollins gender match, and it makes you believe we're gonna this is gonna keep rolling forward with Ginger, maybe even KO involved. Hey WWE, pair people up into feuds, and let's just you know be creative and let's let it happen. Enough of this like interchangeable four guys every week. So it even, could be a hero. It's time.
1: Well, even if they're involved though, they have plans. Ginger's fighting Roman. KO is in the Money in the Bank match. So this is not going to be a triple threat or a Fatal Four Way or anything. That's It's going to be Elias and Seth Rollins. The only thing I didn't like in the entire segment, extended segment, was Seth Rollins just in the ring, upper hand on Jinder, shrugging, grabbing a chair, and getting a DQ. He's not a type of wrestler that does that as a face. He should have won the match clean and celebrated. Now, I I guess they didn't want Jinder to take the clean loss because he's going to fight Reigns. They want to keep him looking strong. But it just didn't make any sense for there to be a chair shot. Outside of that, it's a hero. Um, I, I thought the... The way it went down with the chair shot and Seth just taking a dive, like you could tell he jumped. I didn't like the execution, but the storyline and the booking, I loved. It's really smart. Elias uh, deserves a good
0: bump. I like that bump. I like that we didn't get to, we didn't see him afterwards until the stretcher. I thought it was well handled. Well, no, I'm just saying, like Elias
1: hit him. There was a pause, and then he jumped. Like it wasn't natural. It wasn't. It didn't make it look like Elias propelled him off there. That's all I'm saying. I'm being a stickler. You know, I, I do that. That said, I, Rollins gets the best possible matches out of everyone he faces. Like you said, you saw it with Jinder on Monday night. I really don't think Elias is that good in the ring that I I will expect. Maybe the best match of Elias's career, that money in the bank with Seth Rollins. I don't know if it'll ever get better than that because he's kind of rough in the squared circle.
0: Yeah. And maybe that's why he has not have a real feud. He's had a cup of coffee with Finn, a little, little thing with Cena. never had a real long feud yet. But like I said, it's time to find out hero zero number two lightning round edition Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa escalated their feud on last Wednesday's NXT with Johnny's wife, Candice LeRae, taking an accidental bump on the ramp after Johnny got knocked down. Hero or zero, Adam, to this feud distancing itself now as maybe the best in NXT history? If not, one of or the best WWE has had in the last four or five years. I know we want to rank everything after it happens, but how good is this right now?
1: So based on the question, I'm going to say zero. Um I think the storyline that transpired through New Orleans, had it stopped there, may you may have had an argument. I don't like really what they're doing with Candice. I. I understand they're getting her involved. There's a lot of speculation that she's going to turn on Johnny. No, no, no. I don't know how that makes sense. I can see what what's more likely to happen is she tries to like throw in the towel or something, distracts Johnny, Ciampa gets the win, they get in a fight and have a third match and a final blow-off. Or at that point, Ciampa... Goes to 205 Live and Johnny continues in NXT. Who knows? I don't necessarily love this direction with Candice being involved. I don't think she needs to be. I have to see it play out before I judge it. But it's not the best rivalry in NXT history when you have Sasha Banks-Bailey, when you have KO Sami Zayn, that they actually fleshed out. Um, I think the longest and best, this might be the best told, but I don't think it's the best, most entertaining because really, what have we seen? A couple segments and one match. So I need more than that to really go to that length. And same with WWE. They, they've had some, it's been a rough year, rough 18 months, but they've had some good stuff. So a zero to your question. I'm still enjoying it. I'm still looking forward to it. I don't know if it is still the main event match at NXT TakeOver Chicago. I assume it is.
0: Yeah. I, I will say though, that I popped hero wise for this development of, of Candice getting knocked down. I now want to see what happens next. I do get your points on that. And I do like that you shouted out the, the KO-SAMI rivalry in NXT. I just think for this being an all-time great rivalry, though, it does have the history of them being together and then stepping apart during the Cruiserweight Classic and then coming back together. So they have gone pretty damn deep. I, I, I'm on the verge of saying that this is right there for best NXT that I mean, I've ever seen. So
1: okay, if you bring in the Cruiserweight Classic, there's more ammunition there.
0: And I like uh, it more than I like Sasha Bailey. That's just my personal preference in NXT. I like the Sasha Charlotte WWE feud better than this one, but you know I think that that one is historically just dominant.
1: Adding in the Cruiserweight Classic, if we're if we're counting that, which I guess we should, you're making a really good point. Uh, it might be the best feud in NXT history, but I'm not going to give it that title until it ends. Is that fair? That's fair. All right, let's move on. Uh, BC after holding a dance off on SmackDown. Lana attacked Naomi, and the situation escalated from there. Yusos, the Usos, Rusev, and Aiden English all getting involved. Hero or Zero
0: to this segment? Uh, improbably, improbably, this is a massive hero. I don't know how it ended up being that good, and I know certainly there's monster elements of that going on. and We get it, and that's a big part of it. This was really good and really entertaining and kind of a smart idea. And I had people, uh, Cam Schilling, one of our listeners from Down Under, DM me going, what is Vince Russo writing this? And I had that same feeling when I saw the original sort of promo telling you that it's coming up next. It worked, man. And Lana handled that perfectly because I actually believed for a second she wasn't going to turn on her. And I'm like, is this really going to end with them like shaking hands and hugging? Like, what the heck are we doing here? Like, she sold it to me that well. This is another turn in the right direction for Lana, and the only way that you're going to be believable that she can win matches is by being this despicable. I loved everything about it. I think we should do more of this.
1: It was such a hero. I I was so surprised that I liked this. Not just the end, but the entire thing. It wasn't gratuitous. Um, You didn't have Jerry the King Lawler in the ring screaming about puppies, and, and every time one of them dropped down or, or lifted their leg, you know, making a I did kind of wish there was a host in the ring because that's kind of how that should be. It was weird just to have the ring announcer do it. But outside of that, it was great. And I'll tell you something else too. We complain about continuity, right? Lana and Naomi had a dance-off that I did not know about on Total Divas at like a wedding for a party or something. And this is the second part of that. I don't know when that happened in relation to this. I saw the video after the fact. Someone tweeted it to me. But they were telling a storyline that you would know if you watched total divas. So it continues on to this. It was a freaking hero.
0: Yeah. I, I, I don't know believe- how, but I'll give him credit. Smackdown. Hey, it's all working, man. There's, I don't come out of Smackdown upset at anything. I love that. It's a great feeling. Number four, hero or zero from our good buddy, Omar underscore Al Rashid from Melbourne, Australia. Our buddy wants to know hero or zero. Adam, Sammy Zayn proving himself to be a top shelf talent. By making the worst storyline in WWE, the current one with Bobby Lashley, in a, into a somewhat watchable feud. He's calling this the worst in a long time into a somewhat watchable storyline. Hero or Zero?
1: Am I giving Hero or Zero to that he's a top-shelf talent or that the feud has become somewhat watchable? Uh,
0: I think it's a combined. It's a, it's sort of an all- I have to split it.
1: Is he a top-shelf talent? No. He, zero. Um, I like Sami Zayn. I think he's a good mid Carter. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Not everyone can be a main eventer in WWE. He has yet to show the true skill set he has that he was able to display in NXT in WWE. And it has nothing to do necessarily with the angles, but it's how he's been booked in those angles and what he's been allowed to do in the ring and on the mic. That said, as bad as the last two Bobby Lashley, Sami Zayn segments had been before this week, and as bad as Bobby Lashley's writing was again this week,
0: and delivery. <laughs>
1: and, and delivery. Again, but again, they're, not, they're making him be a smiley, happy guy as opposed to a badass. But as bad as that was, Sami Zayn did very well in that segment. And Bobby gripping his hand and, and showing his dominance was something that this needed. So I'm going to give it a hero for saving one of the worst angles of all time and making it maybe not one of the worst angles of all time, but still really freaking bad.
0: Yeah, uh, it's hard for me to give a hero to this, but I will say that they made it redeemable, except for the fact that Bobby came out and was like, "Even my sisters were laughing. Even my real sisters were laughing at the segment last week. Like, like why would you give in into that? You know what I mean? Like, even when Bobby came out last week and had like a grin on his face, like this is just it's, it's very it's very stupid. So, uh, yeah, Sammy's trying or Omar, he's trying he's trying his hardest here, but I'm not on board really with this yet.
1: Yeah, why why couldn't Bobby have come out said the same line without smiling and gripped his hand and given him a mean look? That's all they needed to do.
0: It's bad. That, it's just
1: that it's was bad. it. All right, number five here. Hero Zero. CM Punk uh, has already begun his trial in Chicago for defamation of a WWE doctor. I think it's actually the WWE doctor that's suing CM Punk for defamation. Hero Zero as to whether this means he's more likely to be hashtag quote unquote revolution bound <laughs> than actually returning to WWE anytime soon.
0: I mean, certainly it could depend on the results of the lawsuit and how much, uh, you know. Collateral damage there is on the fallout of that, but I have to believe that this development—he's—he's he's, he's in trial in Chicago with Colt Cabana. They're playing the portions of that pod, the infamous podcast during the court trial, has to lead you to believe he's revolution for life, brother. Like I'm not saying he'll never come back to WWE, but I don't think they just square this up in the next you know six nine months and then we see him suddenly making a surprise return at Royal Rumble next year. I know he's already somewhat tied into All In. It seems I feel like. He will come back. I feel like after this UFC fight on, on uh, June 9th, UFC 225 in Chicago, win or lose. I can't see him continuing on as a fighter. I think we see him back in the revolution as a real player, and it would be very, very interesting if he came back and split between NJPW and Ring of Honor and really tried to see where this can go.:
1: So that's a hero from you. Um, I never thought he was WWE-bound ever. Uh, I think at some point in his life in his, I don't know how old he is now, I guess late 30s, I assume, uh, in five, six, seven years, I wouldn't be surprised if he does a run in WWE. You know, just to go back, whether he goes into the Hall of Fame or not, they'll tie it up somehow. They're they're not going to be separated forever. Fences can be mended, even though he doesn't like Triple H, apparently, I think. um, it's Vince McMahon is at the helm, and Triple H, if Triple H is able to mend fences with Bruno Sammartino, he should be able to mend fences with CM Punk at some point. That said, I've always made the assumption that he was going to fight New Japan, Ring of Honor, something, because he's a special attraction and you can make a lot of money from doing so. Before I, I mean, so I guess it's a hero is my answer here. BC, does he have any chance of winning this UFC fight?
0: Yes, uh, we have to be really honest here. He's fighting Mike Jackson, who is, uh has one other fight and the UFC, and he got destroyed by the guy who destroyed CM Punk, and Mike Jackson is a part-time, like, <laughs> MM. he's like an MMA journalist who fights part-time. Like, uh, no disrespect to him, he's, like, not really a real fighter. This is a fight that, in theory, CM Punk actually could win. I just don't think that means he's going to re-sign unless, unless his appearance pushes the pay-per-view buys on June ninth, you know, through the roof, which... He did decently well the first time around. I don't think it's going to push through the roof. I don't see him re signing because this makes the uh, UFC look bad having him there. So I think this is the end, personally. I've
1: never, I've honestly never understood why he did UFC. I
0: I just, it's just a glorified celebrity bucket list thing and the problem was UFC signed him in 2014 at a period where pay-per-view sales were a little bit down and they wanted something and they figured they could use him as an announcer and he could and it was just coming off of him leaving WWE but because of injuries it took him two years to make his debut and by that point people were sort of tired of the storyline that it was like okay let's see if you can fight come out here and then when we found out that he couldn't it was like oh this guy's a joke so like
1: I'm not going to say Punk's irrelevant, because I think we just talked about it a couple of weeks ago that when him and Brian left at the same time, it really created a major void in WWE, and obviously they left for different reasons, but it was their two most over, naturally over guys leaving the company within a couple of months of each other, and it created a massive void. When he comes back to wrestling, no matter where it is or no matter what it is, it's going to be a big deal, but it's not going to be what it was four years ago, where if he had left WWE and maybe gone to New Japan, even though we weren't watching it then, to those fans,
0: right? Unless he gets the mic and rips WWE constantly and that becomes his shtick. If his shtick is just to expose them and he's that guy who just comes out of a trial, maybe he loses the trial, maybe he's got to pay up to WWE, his doctor, maybe that's where it's like it's attitude error all over again, you know? Oh, if he
1: loses the trial, there might be a gag order or something else involved in there so he doesn't have to pay a million dollars. So don't be so sure. He may not be able to criticize WWE in a public forum. That may be part of that settlement as opposed to money, so... Don't Absolutely. put that past you. But BC, right. we ran through here a zero. Let's slide
0: into those DMs. Yeah, let's slide in uh, rapid fire style. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? Oh, it is, John Cena. And we begin with Ralph Johnson at RalphJ1220 on Twitter. Ralph wants to know, Adam, who do we think takes the title off Brock Lesnar and when? I'll serve it up to you to go first.
1: Sure. Well, let's start with what should have happened. Uh, Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 34. Now that that's out of the way, uh, Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. Go ahead.
0: I say Brock Lesnar. I'm sorry, Braun Strowman at SummerSlam. Braun Strowman at SummerSlam. And then maybe you rebook a Roman feud. I hope not, but maybe you do that. Uh, it, it, it'd be interesting. That That's where I'm going with that. I
1: just don't know how the, the end of this is not Reigns getting the title.
0: How about a triple threat with Braun, Reigns, and Brock? You think Reigns is going to win, but it's Strowman.
1: Strowman pins Reigns, so it's just like... Rollins pinning.
0: Yeah, Rain. you're right. This is bad. Hey, you know what? They screwed up. You're right. They screwed up. There's not. I mean, what do you do? What Rain do you do this at this point?
1: Brain should have won at WrestleMania, or he should have won at Greatest Royal Rumble. The fact that Lesnar, by the way, is not on TV still and won't be until like three weeks before Extreme Rules in July. Come on. All right. Oh, Number man. two here, sliding into the DMs from Nims Azor, at Doc Nims. BC, I know you pump up the hashtag, quote unquote, I added the quotes, revolution. But with with the rumored amount of cash that WWE is getting from new TV deals, are we seeing them become less of a wrestling company and more of a TV production company? And will fans need something else to fill that wrestling
0: void? This is a really good question here because two things can happen with the latest development of the TV deals. One, WWE is gratuitously rich now. So if they want to squash the revolution by pointing out to themselves, saying, okay, on paper, who are the four biggest movers in this revolution? What can we do to sign them? Yes, you will have people like me who are saying, no, Kenny Omega, he's an artist. The Young Bucks, they're artists. They make so <laughs> much money in their own t-shirt sales. They don't need WWE. Well, even I will admit that everybody does have a price for the million-dollar man. And if Vince McMahon is like, hey, Matt and Nick Jackson, I'll pay you $3 million a year each. And guarantee that you get a title run within the first whatever. And you can be paired up with your boys who you used to wrestle with in Japan. I mean, like, obviously, everybody has a price, right? If WWE goes that direction where they're like, we just want to squash our competition. We want Kenny. We want the Bucks. We want Cody. And we don't care who else is out there, right? They don't even need to get the Japanese guys, right? They could just be like, that's because really it's the Bullet Club that is making us care about NJPW and find out who these Japanese guys are. That's one scenario. The other scenario is WWE says, we don't care. We don't care about your revolution because we're making so much money television-wise, it doesn't matter to us. Then, Adam, that's where the blind spot could come into place, and that's where Nims has a good point. At that point, WWE is a scripted television show in a TV production company and not necessarily a wrestling promoter anymore, and there are people who will want their wrestling fix. If you don't get that wrestling fix, quote-unquote, just from NXT, This does open the door for the revolution to have a big impact because people love actual wrestling and what feels like the wrestling they grew up with and the indies are doing that. So if WWE is so blinded to their own financial success that it doesn't matter to them and they leave that door open and don't scoop up all these guys, there is an opening for people to be like, you know what, WWE went way too commercial corporate. This is like McDonald's seeing them on Fox. I don't want to see this, right? Like Fox has a chance to change the game or it could be more of the same. This could be in a weird turn, the best thing to happen to the revolution or they can absolutely squash it. And I don't mean to do a silver hedge there and just be like, here's your two, uh, you know, scenarios. But the, I think that's what we're looking at here.
1: No, it's, uh, it's not a hedge to give two sides of a coin. Or discuss the gray area, BC. We give takes
0: on this show. We give takes.
1: What life is? Well, we're not take factor. I don't think we're a take factor. I think we have nuance to our delivery here, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, WWE has not been a wrestling company since before they got the F out of their name. Okay, that's obviously a callback to that old slogan. Um, So they're not. They're not. They're. They are a TV production. They're an entertainment company. They make movies. They make music. uh, They do live events. They are not a pro wrestling. Company And Vince McMahon has never wanted them to be a pro wrestling company until another brand, promotion, whatever, is truly high level and truly accessible to an American audience. I say this over and again. The the majority of fans who are seeking wrestling entertainment will still not find it. Brian and I, BC and I, we have found it and we're telling you guys to find it because we got introduced to NJPW. We've been watching that product. We make great efforts to watch it. It's on at bad times. It's not on an uh, American television station that's accessible through all cable outlets. We have to use their website, which is really not good, especially for English speakers. We effort to do that. Until that effort becomes you know, clicking on my Roku, clicking an NJPW World app that's in English and playing a match, until it's that easy, there's not gonna be that high level of competition that's truly gonna scare WWE. Only other thing I'll say here is WWE does not need to buy out everyone that's English speaking. They need to get the elite. Because if they get Kenny Omega and they get the Young Bucks, you know what happens to Cody without the being the elite platform? He disappears. And that's nothing against him, but where his character has grown and where he has made his new career is on that show and the storylines within the Bullet Club. If the Bullet Club as it exists now does not exist, Cody as a top-tier main eventer, He's still going to be that because there's going to be a void there, but he's not going to have the same cachet that he does now.
0: Very true, very true. Uh, right. It's it's interesting, but hey, our buddy Adam X Parsons comes back into our DMs at the same Twitter handle. Interesting question here. Are uh, the eleven guys on the main roster who've been NXT champions? Who do we think the WWE has dropped the ball with the most? And that that list is Rollins, Big E, Bo Dallas, Sami Zayn, KO, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Knock, Bobby Roode, Drew Mack. CNA, Almas, and Neville. Um, When I see this list, Adam, both Adams here, I want to jump out and say Bo Dallas because he's probably accomplished the least out of this group. But I don't necessarily think I'm going to blame WWE for that. Like, there were runs where Bo Dallas really wasn't in great shape. And even though he... Coming third generation guy, you get the feeling he has it in him to do great things. I don't know behind the scenes that he's always been prime and ready and in those spots to deliver those great things. So when I look through this list, there's not a lot of failures here. Like I could say Big E could be bigger potentially and go the singles way, which we all want him to do. Or hey, Sami Zayn, they're trying, they're finally figuring out who he is. But I don't see a big stain. Like, I think Bobby Roode is who he is. They're trying their hardest. It's not going to work. But it is what it is. Do you see a stain in this list where you're like, they've done that guy wrong?
1: Absolutely. Of course I do. It's a process of elimination here. So Neville's not on the main roster anymore, so he's out. Rollins has been world champion, getting a major push. He's out. Big E, we wish he was a singles guy, but he's getting a great run with New Day. He's out. Uh, Kevin Owens has been universal champion. Still in main events and still featured. He's out. Samoa Joe is doing a great job. He's been injured twice, so he's been kind of taken away. Nakamura was in the WWE Championship match at WrestleMania, might main event this pay-per-view. Cross him off. Uh, uh, McIntyre just joined. He's doing a great job getting a major push with Dolph. He's out. Almas just joined, and so far, so good with him. So that brings me down to Bo Dallas, who, if we're being honest, not the talent that the other guys are, so let's cross him off. Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, and Bobby Roode. I think they're failing Bobby Roode, but Bobby Roode doesn't have the ceiling that Sami Zayn has. Yeah, so I can't blame them for and that. Sami Zayn doesn't have the ceiling that Finn Balor has, who was made Universal Champion or made the Universal Champion, got injured, lost the title, and has never had another match. And Vince pulled his planned match, even though he was going to lose. With Brock at Summerslam, the Whoa. answer is Finn Balor.
0: See, I I can't give it that though because even though I'm disappointed in the way they have booked him, he's still a star. He's they're still giving him huge merch opportunities. He's still being presented as a big deal. They're just not letting him get to the mountaintops we think he already deserves. It's an interesting question. So maybe under that guys, who is the, who are they dropping the ball with the worst? Okay, maybe you're right. Maybe he's, it is Finn Balor. But Bobby Roode, do you see
1: Bobby Roode or Sami Zayn being a legit? World champion no, in w- no. in main roster WWE.
0: So I, I guess you proved your point. I guess it, it probably is Finn Balor. I'm just not angry about any of those. The way they're handling any of those guys, too angry about it. All right, maybe maybe I've just forgotten my anger for Finn. Well, that Rude, was a good well, reminder.
1: Rude, Rude should be a heel, but he's still pretty new in, on the brand. And Sami Zayn, they've given him enough opportunity to be involved in stuff. They just haven't given him the full push that you know some fans want. That I don't really. Want but Finn Balor, they are actively keeping down. He's hey, the only Neville, one on that then. list.
0: Maybe it's really Neville because he left because they were sealing him when his ceiling could be more. He's cruiserweight
1: champ for like a year, wasn't he? I mean, I know, but he
0: feels he could do more, and I believe him too. But hey, that's another All argument.
1: Right. Number four here. This is a long one. Uh, I'll try to sum it up as I'm reading it here from Jared uh, Hartzler at J Hart eight eight three two. Can the fans do something radical to make the Roman Reigns change happen, like they did with the Yes Movement? Clearly, the boos are not working. Um, obviously, Triple H said in that E60 documentary that a boo is better than nothing, at least you're getting some reaction. When Roman comes... Uh, okay, let me see where... I'm trying to I'm trying to shorten No, just read good. it.
0: This is good. This is a good question here from Jared. Okay.
1: Well, it, do- it doesn't make... Okay. No offense, Jared. could have written this better. Uh, he's asking, could that be the answer? Doing nothing. What if, when Roman comes out to silence, or faint women and children cheer? Yeah, he's got and some problems third with the waiver. Or the camera side audience goes and gets food. Yes, movement worked because it literally took over the show. Although Roman, the man, deserves praise, WWE leadership needs to hear from its consumers that it's time for a change. I'm not exactly sure what he's asking you.
0: Here's, I know what he's saying. This is actually a smart question. It is is poorly written, so Jared, step up your game there, but we do want to hear from you. You are our consumer, so we want to hear from you. He's saying, look, they say that they don't need to change Roman because he's still, booze or still noise. People are reacting. What if the only way we can get them to change Roman is by stop reacting to Roman at all? When he comes out, no booze, no cheers. In fact, he's saying, go up to the snack stand and walk out of the arena. Is that the only way we can make change like we as a fan base made the change for Daniel Bryan? It's a really smart question, Adam.
1: So he's almost asking, can, we, can fans do something in real life like they kayfabe the yes movement, getting everyone in the ring and staging a protest. He wants a silent protest, by the way.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, but look, the kids are going to cheer, and the, he's basically saying the kids and the women are going to cheer. They're going to because that's you know they love Roman. They're going to do that. Can we as smart fans be a big enough audience to where not doing anything? Can the, if let's say four episodes in a row of Raw. Rains comes out and he gets a smaller cheer than a mid Carter, right? A smaller noise explosion. No more booze. A smaller noise explosion than a mid Carter. Will that make them change? Yeah, it will. That's the right answer. Yeah,
1: I think if fans—that's the only st- way. Yeah, I think if fans stayed seated or stood up and turned their backs, right? Yes, the- yes. Even though in that's a rude. Form of, yes, in a form of protest. Would that work? Yes. Will that happen? no because there's no way despite the prevalence of of social media and the internet and the and the way to get everyone on the same page it's very difficult to get 10,000 people 15,000 people on that same page
0: yeah it, it just is it now, is I, I but don't... that is the only way man that's an interesting thought it's you're not going to get unified but that is the only way to do it i mean not not buying merch would be another way too but i think look the kids and the families are are going to make up for that so
1: Okay, number five here sliding into our DMs from very dumb Mark at jobber glorified. Hey, love the show. Thank you. Best wrestling podcast around. Thank you. And the revolution is real. BS. Uh, if I may, call me Captain Early to the party, but picture for SmackDown's Fox debut Cena versus Styles for the gold, with Cena winning number 17.
0: Inside. Wow, we're so we're like a year out from this, but it's an interesting question. Is basically who are you going to debut? When UFC debuted on Fox with that giant deal, they put the heavyweight championship on the line. Came Velasquez and Junior oh, Dos Santos right. on free TV, and it was like a thirty-second knockout, and it was it was wild. What are they going to do here? Yes, they're going to have to do something big to get you to watch it, almost like a pay per view. That first episode has got to feel like a pay per view. My first thought was they got to give you the two stars that they care about the most, but. Doing this sort of crossroads way of taking a current top star and a legend and Cena who they know will get faces, this might be the best way to do it. This might be the best actual two people because there's nobody on SmackDown, even though Styles is 40, there's nobody on SmackDown who it's like, this is the guy we're building behind. This. Like if Rollins was on SmackDown, you're like, well, Rollins has to be in this match, right, or Reigns. They're not. Unless we do a change by them, which is very possible, of the way the roster is now, Cena Styles might be the best pick.
1: Uh, I think it's up there. I don't think Cena winning number 17 on free TV is smart, no matter what. I think you save that for a major event, SummerSlam, Royal
0: Rumble, WrestleMania. It's, or it's, South, it's, Saudi Arabia, if the price is right, right. It's
1: the record. It's Ric Flair's fake record. I mean, his real record's 24, but his WWE, WCW, whatever you want to call it, record is is 16. You can't have Cena do it on Fox. I think what they do is they try to make their debut episode on Fox, their 1,000th episode. I think it's that same month. Okay, Uh, October 2019, I don't think you have to have Cena there. Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Shinsuke Nakamura, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, uh, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan. There's so many options. We don't know who will be on that brand with the superstar shakeup. They might have Roman Reigns on that brand by the time 2019 rolls around. And if they do, Roman might be champ, and Daniel Bryan could potentially win the title off Roman Reigns on that show. I think that's bigger and better than an old dude in Cena who, yeah, he still resonates, but... In 18 well, months it's or the same 16 thing.
0: Years. I mean, winning. I mean, that's still a, a WrestleMania moment. You're putting on free TV, so either way, I think it's fine. You just I'm have just to saying, have something of that t- level. this
1: historic record breaking, though. Like th- th- that means something.
0: True. True. All right. All right. Let's get out of here by touching our field spots quickly. I want to just say this on the field spot this week. I know I was late to the party on Pentagon, right? Penta, uh, Penta L zero M. I know I was late to the party on our guy there, but what he is doing at Impact Wrestling got me back into DVRing it, and I chip away at those episodes. And you know what? It's popping my field spot. It's not great. Their ceiling is at a certain point. It's not going to be your number one show. I'm not saying it is. But what they are doing at Impact is a mixture of the Mexican style of, of luchador. Like not a lot of uh, story and psychology just giving you a lot to watch in terms of uh, high moves and fun matches. And then they mix that with sort of that 80s wrestling way of booking it on the main event level. I kind of like what I'm watching at Impact Wrestling lately with Eli Drake, with Pentagon, with a lot of the uh, X-Division high flyers. Not a bad product right now. And I didn't think I would say this. Since 2016 when the Hardys were and Billy Corgan were making people care again, this is the first time that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make this part of my weekly rotation. I like to turn this on late at night sometimes where I don't have to think. I just watch it and I go, I'm entertained here. Sammy Cantland's doing some interesting stuff as a vile heel. Jeez. They're popping my feel spot. I'm glad that there's somebody else that's doing something and it doesn't suck and it's finding its way into my rotation. So shout-out to Pentagon for getting me into there. Shout-out to Impact Wrestling, Don Callis, and those guys for doing something that doesn't suck. That's what was nuts for a feel spot this week.
1: To say it doesn't suck, I mean, that's really a low bar. I agree that it doesn't suck. I watched the last two episodes of Impact, and I was fine. You know, whereas with Ring of Honor, I, I taped it for two months and literally could not get through the episodes. They're that bad. With Impact, I was able to watch them, and... It was fine. Uh, they need to be a lot better to actually get me to watch that show or even think about the storylines. And BC, I don't know that Eli Drake is long for impact.
0: I, I love him. There he, may be
1: some rumblings. He's standpoint. ready.
0: He's ready for the big time, dude. He's ready for WWE right now. I love so Eli Drake. Just,
1: just on that note, though, uh, MLW, Major League Wrestling, just got a TV contract. I forget who it's with, but it's available on sports. my on-demand.
0: Yeah. Be in sports.
1: Be in sports. That's right. So that's why it's available on my on-demand. Uh, I watched the first episode outside of Tony Schiavone being on the call. Not a huge fan. Um, oh,
0: how dare you? How dare you?
1: Main event Pentagon versus Phoenix.
0: Oh, and the it brothers. Was, yes.
1: And it was in a crowd of 200 people, and they just dove into the crowd and didn't care. And it was awesome. The point is Pentagon is incredible, and Phoenix is very close to up there with him.
0: Okay, great jeans. Uh, they got great jeans right there.
1: I hate to say they need to be in WWE because that's what everyone says. It's a trope, but they'd be awesome in WWE. They really, really would. Um, My feel spot this week, two, one's quick, one's legit. Quick, I just want to give some shine to the New Day match against Bar and Miz. It was a really good six-man tag match. We complain about it all the time. You put guys like that in there, good. My real feel spot, I actually meant to do this last week. So I'm not a big Ring of Honor fan. I watch being the elite. I like it. They have Jay Lethal on being the elite right now. And they have a storyline going where if you squeeze his shoulder, he turns into the macho man. Randy
0: <laughs> it's good. It's good. It is good.
1: It is legitimately good. Legitimately funny. He does a above average impersonation of him. And the fact that it's a continuing storyline, it goes to show you that it doesn't take much to entertain. Something that simple could be done in a very different way by WWE. Yeah. And it works and it entertains you. And they are nailing it. Being the elite's good they have their own storylines but i wait for that moment every show
0: Yeah, them adding it, lethal who of course did the savage and flair impersonation with tna to like amazing levels that has been a, and a nice he did that
1: so he has a history of doing
0: this oh my god go right now go don't be ashamed of not knowing go and google j lethal rick flair tna in the, okay. He did the Ric Flair to Ric Flair in TNA, and it was incredible. It was incredible. It was okay, incredible. I
1: didn't know. I didn't know any of that, so I'm very sports entertained by it. It was good.
0: Yeah, yeah, great stuff altogether. Hey, let's hear Savage uh, as a tribute on the way out. I love that guy. We agree to disagree. We have a fight. We have an adult beverage.
1: Whatever. Right. Man to man. That's how men. Do it. Mano y mano. Okay. That's,
0: that's how... how. men do it, and that's how we do it on this show. Follow us on Twitter at In This Corner CBS. Adam, you have a message for our people as we exit.
1: No, but uh, did you want to bring back a special segment?
0: Oh, my gosh. I almost forgot. I almost. I know, for- I'm
1: trying to wave you down here on, on Skype here. You're not stopping. You're playing the Macho Man sound. You I'm, know, I'm trying, I'm to, trying get to, get to
0: get us out of here. And you're like, wait, one more thing. Hey, let's, re- let's <coughs> rewind then, shall we? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hey, pay-per-view rewind. Here's the theory here. That's my favorite segment ever. I know I say that about everyone, but I really mean it on this one. I love going back with you guys. I love digging in. And when WWE is not giving us what we want we're going to go back and relive things that we know delivered and gave us what we want. So Pay-Per-View Rewind is back, Adam. This week BC's choice. So here is what I want everybody to watch. This week we will recap it next week. Next week the Silver King will get his choice. Hey, we'll see where we go. Maybe we keep it going and we bring the fans and bring the dealer's choice back and their viewer's choice. But this week for Pay-Per-View Rewind. <coughs> oh yeah. Oh, it feels so good. NXT TakeOver, Fatal 4-Way, September 11th, 2014. The main event, a Fatal 4-Way for the NXT Championship featuring the champion, Neville, Sami Zayn, Tyler Breeze, and Tyson Kidd. Adam, have you ever seen that one?
1: Uh, Not only have I seen it multiple times, we have this weird thing where every time you pick, with the exception of like the war games and some of those at the beginning, every time you pick a pay-per-view rewind, I've just seen it within the last... Like six weeks. I just saw this within the last six weeks. I will watch it again just so it's fresh. But yeah, I did see it. Uh, I missed it live when it initially ran because I wasn't watching NXT, I don't think, in 2014. Or if I was, I was just starting. Um, it's a very good match and it's a good choice. All
0: right. Watch that. We will be back next week to talk about it. And two words for the people. We out.